0: Welcome to another edition of Perspectives from Rothschild & Co. My name is Laura Künlem, and for today's edition, I'm once again joined by our global investment strategists, Kevin Gardiner and Victor Balfour. So while I was preparing for our recording this morning, I remembered the famous Benjamin Franklin quote that investing in knowledge pays the best interest, and I thought that, at least from my perspective, dedicating our time to this on a Thursday morning feels like a very good investment indeed.
1: What a cheesy introduction, Laura, but very kind of you. (laughs) Couldn't help it.
0: (laughs) So um, maybe let's discuss what's been unfolding in financial markets since our last conversation. How have stocks and bonds performed?
2: So, yes. Hi, Laura. So, I mean, look, it's been a pretty um, respectable start to 2024, uh, particularly for risk assets. Um, You know, global stocks are up about 5% this year, uh, while bonds are down about 3%. Um, yields have sort of been edging higher really since December. Um, elsewhere, you know, commodities down a little bit, um, with the exception of oil, uh, and of course, in typically sort of volatile fashion, uh, Bitcoin is now back above sixty thousand um, dollars, up about fifty percent this year. But I think in terms of of stock markets, you know, the markets that were performing well last year have really continued to do so. So, thinking about the U.S., that's up about six percent. Um, with technology and the sort of AI trade, you know, firmly ahead. Um, Japan also doing well again. Um, The Nikkei 225, one of the sort of major Japanese equity benchmarks, um, recently notched an all-time high. Uh, That marks an end um, of three and a half decades now underwater. Um, But what I think what's encouraging that we've seen really things through February is that we've seen signs that participation has broadened a little bit. Um, Things like Asia, Europe, they're both doing better. Um, as are some of the more cyclical sectors. So this isn't just entirely um, about technology this
1: year.
0: And Kevin, how's the macro picture looking then?
1: Well, it's been a bit more of the same, really. You remember we, we finished 2023 with a remarkably friendly from a market point of view, a remarkably friendly mix of economic resilience with continuing declines in inflation. So we had a mix of growth plus disinflation, and that's a pretty healthy backdrop for capital markets because it favors both uh, bonds and stocks. Bonds benefit from the disinflation. Stocks benefit also from the lower interest rates that that will bring, and and also from the economic resilience which keeps corporate profitability high and that's been the case we think so far in 2024 Um, maybe with more of an emphasis on the resilience and on the disinflation because uh, as often happens expectations for economic growth in the year ahead have been looking a little bit too low and in the case of the united states in particular growth has been beating expectations and that's encouraged the central banks to publicly dig their heels in against market expectations that interest rates will come down quickly and far. And that's probably why stocks have had the best of it in the year to date, as Victor was saying. But generally, the macro backdrop remains not a bad one. And eventually, we do think interest rates will probably come down and eventually maybe bonds will be able to participate alongside stocks in that relatively favourable mix.
0: And um, maybe let's talk a little bit about the banking stress that's seen a bit of a revival. Are we concerned about this, Victor?
2: So it's interesting that that's the timing of this because we've we're almost at sort of one year on uh, since those banking stresses first emerged um, back in the US last March um, to the collapse of SVB, and of course, lastly the the, the the failure of Credit Suisse as well. Um, and of course, then it all went really quite quiet for a, quite a long period of time. Um, that was until earlier in February. Uh, when New-, uh, New York Community Bank Corp. Um, more than halved following a pretty weak set of of concordly results, um, I think what the market took a lot of fright from was that um, they were provisioning quite significant losses against its commercial real estate book, um, and they were also seeking to raise cattle uh, in response. Um, however, the way we're sort of seeing this is that you know a bit like last year's failures, we still feel this is a you know relatively isolated idiosyncratic. Um, event Um, most banks that seems seems to be pretty exposed to things like you know commercial real estate or overexposed to this area or those banks that haven't prudently managed their balance sheets um, seem to be most at risk at the moment this isn't doesn't seem to be a a banking wide problem yet Um, I think from our view we still think you know systemic crisis probably seems a little bit overstated at this point Um, the major banks are well capitalized they're pretty liquid balance sheets for the most part Um, And I think as we're seeing some of the kind of bank stress measures that they're pretty contained Um, and at least stock prices for the major banks have actually been moving higher, not lower um, in 2024.
0: And what about another potential source of systemic risk? How is China looking then?
2: It's the million dollar question at the moment, I think. Um, There's been an awful lot written about this, uh, ourselves included. Um, I think we should be clear, we don't think China is a systemic concern um you know there's there's talk about china's excessive private sector debt the, the collapse of the property market um what this might impact in terms of, of banks um these are clear headwinds to china's growth and, and of course there are big question marks um about how china moves away from sort of debt fuel infrastructure-led growth to something more sustainable um, but of course these are not necessarily new questions um as it stands today, I think the kind of near-term growth story is not that weak. Um, 5% growth is, that we saw in 2023 was more than double that of the developed world. Um, in spite of the headwind, of course, we saw from the proxy market. Um, in the background, we know the manufacturing sector seems to be improving, consumption holding up. Um, so I think we need to sort of remain balanced in terms of our view about the sort of near-term growth story for China. The bigger challenge, I think, for China is really about um, its stock market. Um, of course, which is more than halved uh, or broadly halved in the past three years, uh, and I think today many investors hold the view that China is simply uninvestable, um, despite I guess what is better long-term growth, inexpensive valuations, um, uh, which uh, which obviously remain in place today. Uh, so th- that's that's probably the bigger concern at this point in time.
0: And um, then my last question to you, Kevin: What does this mean for our asset allocation?
1: Well, at the really big picture level, we're still pretty much as we were, have been for the last few months. So we like equities. We have an overweight position in mosaic portfolios in favor of stocks. Um, We're not yet so positive on bonds. We're still sitting firmly on the fence there at neutral, which is a Uh, stronger position than we've held for most of the last few years because we've been underweight for most of that time. But we're no more than neutral for the time being, partly because we're not hugely surprised that those interest rate expectations have been backing up as they have been. And so to fund that overweight in equities, we're underweight in GASH, but it is equities rather than bonds that's the main focus for us at the moment. That could change as the year, year progresses, but that's that's where we are. Where we have made a change, though, in the last meeting was at the regional level within our equity uh, positions. And picking up on that point, uh, Victor was referring to there, emerging Asia led by China. Now, it has had fantastic economic growth for most of the last two decades, And we do think that it's strategically got the best long-term economic prospects in the global economy in terms of growth rates. But that is just not filtering through to the bottom line, particularly when it comes to Chinese companies. As Victor was saying, the Chinese stock market has been languishing. And yet again, we've been disappointed at the failure of that economic growth to make its way down to that corporate bottom line. For most of the last couple of decades, China has grown much faster in terms of GDP than the United States, for example, but its corporate earnings per share have lagged behind those in the States. So we've lost patience again for the time being with china and we've reduced our emerging markets uh, asia overweight position back to neutral and instead we've decided to focus a little bit more closely we still like the united states but we're still focusing now alongside that more closely on the eurozone markets which we've raised to an overweight so we've cut emerging asia down to neutral we're pushing the eurozone markets up to an overweight, we think that uh, those markets have the capacity to benefit from a growing global economy. If growth is spreading out and if stock market participation is broadening beyond the immediate technology story, as Victor was suggesting, might be the case, Europe can be a good play on that and valuations in Europe are not prohibitive. So those are the changes that we've made of late.
0: Many thanks to both of you. And uh, looking forward to speaking again for four Thanks. Thanks. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.